Bolton bolts, or was he fired? The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. So John Bolton's out. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I would say a good thing, short term. Um, actually, short and, and long term. I think that, is anybody surprised by this? Anybody surprised? He lasted 17 months Pretty good. in Pretty that long job. Time. Yeah. Long time. Uh, but I think a lot of people who, observers of this of this town, of foreign policy, just didn't really make a lot of sense, John Bolton and Donald Trump. The Donald Trump he listened to from the campaign trail. Um, you know, he's gone through these different uh, national security advisors, and then all of a sudden you've got a neocon in there. And Donald Trump's no neocon. So I think that actually this is a good thing um, long term because maybe he can get somebody in there that better dovetails with his worldview and his whatever his foreign policy is. Um, but I think this will be a good thing. So Adam Belmar, the Democrats hate John Bolton. Donald Trump fires John Bolton. You'd think the Democrats would applaud that, but of course they don't. How do the Democrats react to this? Well, the Democrats are going to torment the president mercilessly no matter what he does. In truth, though, I think some Democrats are are breathing a sigh of relief, Um, certainly in terms of the hardline pro-war posture that Ambassador Bolton uh, usually uh, espouses. But I I also think that they, they see a little bit more insight into the president's manner, the way that he takes criticism or even dissent within his administration, and they find it instructive. So in some ways, they may actually be sitting back a little bit and saying, okay, let's just let this pass. It's instructive. There's no need to make too many points about it, even though, as you say, they weren't big fans of Bolton to begin with. So, uh, John Eason, you worked for Kelly Ayotte, who was a huge defense hawk, real close friends with John McCain, and also great friends with Lindsey Graham. You know, John McCain probably was pretty close to John Bolton. Um, I know that Lindsey Graham certainly is. The firing of John Bolton makes the defense hawks, don't you think, a little bit nervous? I think that Donald Trump makes the defense hawks pretty nervous. That's a good point. And it's been a really windy road for for those who have been long engaged on defense policy and those who definitely err on the side of a more muscular American presence abroad. But I'll tell you what they're nervous about. They're nervous about Russia and Putin. They're nervous about um, the firing of Jim, not firing, I'm sorry, the, the, the resigning of Jim Mattis, former defense secretary. Uh, they're nervous about uh, the vacancy, uh, the director of national intelligence. They're nervous about now this new vacancy of national security advisor. If, if, if the crisis hits this country, which you know it can at any moment, a, a foreign policy military crisis that, that requires very quick action and quick thinking and the best minds in the in the, in in military matters to be you know crashing on it that's that makes people very uneasy especially the defense hawks who you're talking about you know uh, adam belmar i am someone who really desperately wants an end to the war in afghanistan i am uh you know i think we have to get out of there at some point in time we can't let this last forever that being said I think firing John Bolton because he didn't want the Taliban to go to Camp David is really not a good reason to fire John Bolton. I mean, there's a lot of other good reasons to fire John Bolton. That would have been kind of a catastrophic PR move, don't you think? Well, there are two separate things here. I'll take your second question first. Yes, it would have been a ridiculous uh, optics, uh, and it would have also been just bad diplomacy. I've spent time at Camp David never as a guest, always as someone who was serving the president there. Um, 
In our country, I, I believe it's really quite a sacred place of retreat for the president where indeed diplomacy has gone on. Um, but for this president, who is more like a drive-by diplomat, you know, he'll stop in, have a burger and leave, <laughs> to bring these guys all the way to Camp David, uh, there is a language barrier no one's ever met. The level of negotiations to this point have been not productive. They've been going on for a very long time, and the president thinks that he can bring uh, anybody to heal if he can just get them in front of him. Um, on the uh, uh, you know right before the 18th anniversary of 9/11, the kind of crisis that John Easton just discussed could hit the United States at any time, and we need to be prepared with the right people in the right places. This is just uh, would have been catastrophic, catastrophically bad. On the Bolton thing, I would just say this. I don't think that was why he got fired. I think mm -hmm. it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. The president sat in the Oval Office yesterday and gave six or seven reasons, you know, of things he'd said or done that displeased him. Um, but the writing was on the wall, and the president just needs to get into the mood where he's either going to tweet at you or he's just going to damn well say you're fired. Well, and <laughs> how many uh, of those who have departed Donald Trump's higher inner circle, you know, the cabinet secretaries, et cetera, have gone out really well. I can think of one who did it extremely well, and that was Nikki Haley. Yeah, well, she, just well, about she all pulled her own plug, and she pulled it early. Right. No one ever got no one ever got poor taking the profits too soon. Well, and also she's just has uh, she's very very well liked uh, around the country, and you know certainly here in D.C. Now the interesting thing about this relationship between John Bolton and Donald Trump was it was kind of a good cop bad cop thing where John Bolton was always the bad cop and Donald Trump can kind of say yeah listen I want to cut a deal with you but this son of a buck wants to bomb you uh, I thought that could have been pretty effective and continue to be pretty effective and I think that's why he hung out as long as he did 17 months for anybody in this administration is a long long time it is <laughs> if you look at this story this particular story we're talking about at Camp David and the Taliban John Bolton uh, apparently made it clear, I, th I think I was talking to reporters privately or, or what, but that, that Donald Trump listened to him about calling this off. Well, you don't do that to Donald Trump. It's always his idea. And I think he got a, in, out over his skis just a little bit on, on this. And Adam's point, uh, it was just sort of the last straw. He was annoying Don Donald Trump. And, you know, unless you give him full credit, on, on all things major, and of course these it, negotiating with the Taliban, there's nothing much more major. And John Bolton was getting some of the credit, a little bit of the of the sunlight. No, 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 bad idea. I really like where Easton is on this because the president came out and boldly said on Monday, "I consulted no one." Uh, we had a meeting scheduled. Uh, it was my idea, and it was my idea to terminate it. I didn't even I didn't discuss it with anybody else. Especially John freaking Bolton. <laughs> blah, blah. Uh, you know, um, I think about this, Adam. You just had a huge weekend with thousands of former Bush administration staffers. You, and your conversations with the Bushies, how do they look at this president? I mean, some are working, work for both Trump and Bush, but a lot of the Bushies are not um, on Team Trump. Uh, you think of Cheney, the Cheney family is on Team Trump, though. It's, I mean, there was actually a fascinating um, uh, tweet war between Rand Paul and Liz Cheney, who uh, she attacked Rand Paul for being a, a, a terrorist-loving uh, 
isolationist. And Rand Paul tweeted back, hey, Trump loves me. <laughs> so this leads to, there's a little bit of confusion here, isn't there? Well, look, uh, 10 years after the end of the Bush-Cheney administration, we did have a reunion. It was a wonderful time. I was uh, very lucky to have served in that administration. I did so along with my father. We served at the same time. Um, and so we attended together. And I spoke to him just before our show today, uh, thinking you might ask me about this. And his, his perception of what Bushies writ large were thinking as we all gathered this past weekend uh, was the same as mine. There's certainly a lot of frustration. Um, in general, I think there's a, a, an admission that this president has been effective um, in many ways, and he's got policies that are not so unaligned with the party and uh, in, in many ways with, uh, with where we were during the Bush administration. But there is a dissatisfaction, maybe a uh, deep sorrow at the perceived lack of character and the way that he comports himself and his childish attitude towards some things that I think many Bushies believe is just not the way an American president should behave or treat people. Uh, and I, I think that that was epitomized for me uh, when we came to find out that President 43 Bush uh, stayed around here after the thing and was on site at the Pentagon on 9-11 to lay a wreath along with his Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, who's quite on in years now. But that morning began with President Trump sending caustic personal attack tweets, somehow tone deaf, just as he was with putting together a Taliban uh, weekend at Camp David on the morning of this solemn an important date of observation uh, of all the folks that we lost. So uh, Bushies aren't pleased with the way he's doing the job, and I think I see why. So, John Easton, uh, talking about the president, the current president, uh, and his really kind of desire to not get into any more wars, which is kind of different from President Bush, um, you know, he's got a couple different things that he's trying to c c cut a deal on. He wants to a deal with the Iranians. The Iranians, he's really kind of increased the economic pressure on Iran with lots of sanctions. Um, Sigal Mandelkar, who's at the Department of Treasury, good friend of mine, uh, is in charge of that, and she's doing an amazing job of really ratcheting up the pressure on, on the Iranians. Um, hopefully get to some sort of deal there. There might, and, you know, Bush is saying, or not Bush, Trump is saying, I'll talk to anybody. Uh, you got the North Koreans, that seems to be kind of going... Uh, it's hard to know where it's going, but getting Bolton up might actually help the negotiations there. You got the trade war with China. Um, of these three, which ones do you think, which of the three are the most likely to get a deal before the president um, really kind of starts his reelection campaign? Gosh, I don't know if he can get, those are really uh, tall orders, all of them. So I, I don't know if he can get any one of those. I think China is probably the most difficult of all because they may just try to wait them out. Um, and then if he gets reelected, maybe they'll sit down for, for real. But uh, Afghanistan, I mean, this is just has literally been our Achilles heel for, is it 19 years now? Yeah. It's incredible. But um, in North Korea, I, I, just, I just think that, um, you know, Kim Jong-un knows where his power lies, and his power is within a nuclear arsenal. So I don't, I don't see him ever, you know, wanting to scale that back. Maybe Iran. I, I don't know. But 
I think that for Donald Trump, you know, over the next year, speaking politically with you know, foreign affairs, which you try to separate most of the time, but you know, if if people see him as moving toward peace, as wanting a deal in Afghanistan, and actually maybe even pulling back some troops out of there, which he's talked about for a long time. Uh, easier said than done, obviously. But if if Americans see that from him, but also see some a kind of a firm hand on the wheel in, in as our diplomacy continues to take shape under him, I think it's actually a net positive because he is now. I don't think people perceive him as out there starting wars. Right. And, and I think the Bolton thing kind of reinforced that notion yeah. that he is not that way. And, and I think that, let's face it, 90% of Americans are that way as well. I think that's exactly right. I think that uh, now I, I do think that of, of the four, and I didn't mention Afghanistan, but I meant to, um, I, of the four, I think that that a deal with China is the most likely because I think the Chinese are have their own issues. Um, and I think that they've they've got to cut a deal for their own economy, and I don't think they can afford to wait Trump out. Um, but uh, Adam Belmar, do you think that on any of these four, do you agree with John that there's not going to be any progress on any four, or do you think of the four, which one do you think is the most likely to get a deal? Well, let me just say I'm not sure that Easton said that there wouldn't be progress, but I think I, th- I, I, I by progress I mean I actually mean they're coming out and they they say I, we've got a deal, like really capturing yeah. that deal. Okay, right. with with the Taliban. Oh, any one of these four. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I still see China as being a place that's most furtive ground. Uh, just in the last 24 hours, there's been news again that the president, through what form of communication, I'm not really sure, is now pushing back the uh, effect of some tariffs, right. right? Making a threat, drawing a line, and then backing away from it is part of this presidential detente on the, uh, on the, the sort of tariff wars, um, the physical manifestation of war like we see in Afghanistan, he's always been against it. I don't know if we can really see that as being top uh, place that he's going to capture a deal, if only because he's lost his bad cop and now under his reign, right? They've been killing American soldiers for 18 plus years, but when he's watching, they killed one and that's too many. I mean, a lack of history and understanding of our foreign policy and posture may be inherent to President Trump's uh, worldview. But let me let me tell you, when he sees it on his watch and he says he doesn't like it, I believe him, and he's really yeah, back away you know, from the he's, table. He's, he's right about that. I mean, you know, we're not going to be able to fix Afghanistan. It's a, you know, it's a disaster. It's been a disaster, and we've been 18 years because 9/11 started on September 11th, 18 years ago, right? Yeah. So we've been in Afghanistan not 19, 18 so, years. Yeah. Um, but even, even that's way too long, and um, we're not going to fix it. And we got to get out of there. And I think Trump is saying, "Let's find, let's get out." And I think that's right. Well, the problem is, is, is I don't know if the goal is to fix Afghanistan. I think the goal is to not let what happened before happen again, which is this this growing um, group of. Terrorist. It, it was a terrorist haven, and and it bred Osama bin Laden right. and 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 his ilk uh, to the point where they were able to organize and um, attack us. All right, closing out here. Um, good discussion about John Bolton, uh, Adam Bellar. What are you buying or selling today? Well, it is uh, National Suicide uh, Awareness Week, and I would say that I am buying intervention and prevention. 
suicide is a leading killer of our youth, and it is uh, just a horrible plague in this country, and we need to listen, look, and embrace people who are in trouble and try and take steps to save lives. And so I'm buying Suicide Awareness Week and asking folks to do the same and take a look at your family, see what you can do to help those in need. And that's how we begin. Excellent, excellent. Uh, John Easton, what are you buying or selling today? Yeah, actually, change mine. Uh, I had one, I'm gonna change it. Oh, okay. I'm gonna tell you what it was. You, you, you can do that. <laughs> But it, it, Adam Belmar kind of got me going a little bit on this thought, which was uh, as he did his um, reunion with uh, the Bush team. Uh, I was just watching again the, the, the video of in, in September 2001, I don't know if it was September, maybe it was October, where President George W. Bush went to Yankee Stadium and threw the pit. <laughs> there's been a documentary about it if you have not seen that documentary watch it it is something else and i don't i'm not here to just to praise george w bush on this i think that he he seized the moment and rallied the country quite well at the time but this new york wasn't exactly bush country and here he comes out onto that mountain and they went nuts and they weren't necessarily going nuts for George W. Bush, the person. They were going nuts about America and about how he was doing in that month and time frame about how he was doing the right things and he was saying the right things. And it just, to me, says, hey, this country really can come together when it's truly important and when we really need to. Uh, hopefully it doesn't take an attack to do it, but we're more than capable of it. And it was just very heartwarming to see that again. You know, the great thing about that um, was he was on the mound And he threw a perfect strike with a big flak jacket on. I mean, more kudos to him. It was an amazing moment in American history. And good on the Bushes, good on the president. That was great stuff. Good one. Uh, I am buying the Trump plan to end homelessness in California. I would like him to take that plan and bring it to Washington, D.C., where it perhaps is a little bit more constitutional, because I don't know how you do that in California. Thank you for saying that. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of homeless in D.C., and a lot of these people are, are, have desperate problems, desperate mental problems, to, to Adam's point, on suicide prevention. And they, they just need to get shelter. And if we can build some places for them to hang out uh, and, and live in, with shelter and maybe get the treatment they need, we could help eradicate a large portion of this homeless problem. And we've got to deal with the homeless in, in this country. We've got a huge problem in Washington, D.C., and it's getting worse. And you know what? The president's got some creative ideas to deal with it, and I'm all for it, and I'm buying it. Thank you so much for listening to the Fury, Thought, Fury Theory Podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. EFB means? Excellent for business. Yeah, baby.